welcome to the Lions and Loaf podcast series on the Swiss corporate law reform. After being in the making for almost 20 years, this reform touches a wide area of topics, ranging from gender equality to more flexible capital structures. My name is Gilles and I'm an associate in the Swiss corporate and M&A team of Lions and Loaf. Together with my colleagues, I will guide you through the most compelling amendments. In five short episodes, my guests and I will tell you all about the main topic and take you through its main pitfalls, challenges and implications. So, if you want to learn about electronic resolutions and virtual meetings, duties of the board of directors, corporate governance for listed entities, changes related to shared capital or shareholders' activism, this is the podcast for you. Today, I am talking with my colleague Philip about the upcoming amendments in relation to the duties of the Board of Directors, especially the duty to supervise the liquidity of the company and the duty to avoid conflicts of interest. Philip joined our firm as a junior associate after completing his Master in Law and Economics last year. He advises clients on governance matters and in the drafting of corporate regulations. Hi, Philip. Welcome to today's podcast. Hi, Shil. Happy to join you. So, Philip, amendments in the duties of the Board of Directors. Do you agree that this is a topic of high importance? Yes, totally. The range of tasks of the Board of Directors of Swiss companies is already currently broadly defined. In general, the Board of Directors is responsible for the overall management of the company. Moreover, the law specifies several specific duties of the board. With the upcoming corporate law reform, additional specific duties are added to the current catalogue. So the purpose of the corporate law reform is to improve good governance of companies. How far-reaching are the changes adopted? Actually, not as far-reaching as originally planned. Two duties are added to the catalogue of duties of the Board of Directors. The law will specifically require the Board of Directors to supervise the financial liquidity of the company and to avoid conflicts of interest in its decision-making. In relation to the avoidance of conflicts of interest, the preliminary draft of the reform provided certain guidance on how conflict of interest should be avoided. However, such guidance has been deleted from the final draft. Therefore, the law will only contain a general duty without any specific provisions. This means that the members of the Board of Directors will be responsible to implement own procedures to deal with the avoidance of conflict of interest. We note that already under the current law, it is widely recognized that the members of the Board of Directors have a duty to avoid conflicts of interest based on the duty of care and loyalty. However, the corporate law reforms makes it clear that first, in case a member of the board of directors is conflicted, he must inform the board about such conflict without delay. And second, the board has to take the measures required to preserve the interests of the company. Okay, 
Let's dive into this topic first. Can you give us some examples of reasons that can give cause to conflicts of interest? Of course. Conflicts of interest can be caused by many reasons. One of them can be a personal relationship of a member of the board with another person or another company. For example, if a company is planning an acquisition of another company and the member of the board of the buyer is at the same time member of the board of the seller or the target, such member of the board will potentially have a conflict of interest in one or more of the companies. This is an example of a so-called situational or case-related conflict. Such conflict only occurs in one specific transaction and is usually easier to be approached and avoided. Other conflicts of interest are caused by the setting in which the member of the board of director finds herself or himself. Such conflicts are generally called structural conflicts of interest. The most common example is found in intergroup setups where, for instance, a member of the management of the principal is at the same time member of the board of one or more subsidiaries. Right, so the problem in intergroup structures is that potentially the interests of the principal and the interests of the subsidiary are not aligned. Here the question arises whether the affected person is permitted to pursue the interest of the principal or of the group over the interest of the subsidiary. And while certain jurisdictions do not have an issue in this regard, uh, Switzerland is treating this in a particular way. Could you please explain how this topic is treated under Swiss law? Sure, happy to do so. Swiss law provides that a member of the board of a company must pursue the interest of such company while disregarding the interests of other companies, even if these are fully controlled affiliates. Therefore, the member of the board of a subsidiary is only permitted to pursue the interest of the principal or of the group if these interests are aligned with the interests of the subsidiary. In practice, this is often, but not always, the case. This has far-reaching consequences and affects nearly all intergroup transactions, in particular in relation to financing transactions such as up- or cross-stream loans or cash pools. It is recommendable to thoroughly analyze each transaction from a legal perspective to avoid potential liabilities in connection with such structural conflicts of interest. Right, so let's say a member of the board suspects she might be conflicted in regard to a certain topic. What now? Well, there are for sure many options. What is clear is that the board member is explicitly obliged to inform the other members of the board of directors when a conflict of interest arises. This can happen with a notification to the president of the board or to all board members at the same time. The law does not prescribe any specific form, so it could be sufficient to notify the president of the board members orally. However, depending on the degree of conflict, a written communication could be recommended. Important is that all board members are finally informed about the conflict. Also, for good governance reasons, the board should document the content of the notification in writing, for example, in the protocol of the next meeting of the board. In any case, the notification must be made without delay and in a detailed manner. Right. 
What happens next? Once the board of directors is informed about the conflict of interest, it must take the necessary measures to safeguard the interests of the company. We highly recommend recording in writing all the measures taken to avoid the relevant conflict of interest. Okay, so in practice, how does this work? The process is fairly simple and can be divided in two phases. In the first phase, the board must decide how to handle decision-making on the matter at hand. In a second phase, it will take the actual resolution on the matter. Right, so let's have a look at how to handle the decision-making. Are there any fixed requirements in this regard? No, the law leaves it to the board to decide how to handle the decision-making when one or more board members are conflicted. Generally, the stronger the conflict, the stricter the measure should be. If required, the board member should be excluded from voting for or against the relevant resolution. But this is not the only measure that can be implemented by the board. In case of a strong conflict of interest, the board may also decide to exclude the conflicted board member from any discussion on the relevant subject matter and even decide that the conflicted board member shall not receive any information on the subject matter. In any case, the measures should be proportional and kept at the minimum required to ensure that the board member is not excluded from decision-making without necessity. Yes, and in practice, finding the right balance is not always easy, right? Yes, that's right. Does it help to formalize a procedure on how to handle conflicts of interest in the company's regulations? Yes, having a well-thought procedure can help in particular in situations that require quick decisions. And they provide more comfort and legitimacy in handling conflicts of interest. Also, such a predetermined procedure might avoid lengthy disputes between the board members. Yes, I agree. Uh, so, we have been talking a lot about avoiding conflicts of interest, but we also wanted to talk about financial liquidity, right? After the reform, the board will be explicitly responsible for monitoring the financial liquidity of the company. And in case of illiquidity, it will have to take certain measures. What is the difference uh, between the new law and the current legal provisions? Currently, the law only provides that the board has to take certain measures in case of capital loss or over-indebtedness. In case of capital loss, the board has to convene a general meeting of the shareholders and propose restructuring measures. In case of over-indebtedness, the board has to prepare audited interim accounts and, if the company is over-indebted both considering going concern values and liquidation values, the board has to notify the court. Unfortunately, in a case of capital loss or over-indebtedness, it is often too late for the measures to protect the stakeholders. And this is why the corporate law reform is introducing a new layer of protection in connection with the financial liquidity of the company, right? Exactly. The aim of the corporate law reform is to increase the chances of a successful recovery. The lack of liquidity is one of the main reasons for the collapse of companies. 
Therefore, it for sure makes sense to introduce an early warning system linked to the financial liquidity of the company. And this will lead to a duty of the members to ensure that the company has a proper liquidity management. So what does the law exactly require? In case of imminent liquidity issues, the board must take measures to resolve such issues and also propose to the shareholders meeting measures such as capital increases. And does the new law specify what kind of measures shall be taken or does the law give any indication on such measures? No, it does not. Um, unlike the preliminary draft, the revised code of obligation does not define the kind of measures that the board of directors should take. Also, it does not provide for specific mandatory actions or notification requirements. So this could lead to a degree of uncertainty. What do you think will be the most important specific duties of the board? Well, board members should ensure that the company has implemented a functioning liquidity management system. Also, the board members should ensure that they receive regular reporting on the liquidity situation of the company and that they also are immediately notified in case of liquidity issues. Right, so the main risks can be mitigated by ensuring a proper organization of the company. Well then, thank you, Philippe. Tell us, what are the three key takeaways from today's podcast? Well, firstly, the corporate law reform explicitly states the duty of the board of directors to prevent and report conflicts of interest. As we have pointed out, the members of the board of directors must always act in the interest of the company. Therefore, when a conflict of interest arises and is reported, the company should assess the seriousness of the conflict and pass a resolution on whether, and if so, what measures need to be taken. Only once the decision on how to deal with the conflict of interest is rendered, the board of directors should take its decision on the actual subject matter. This leads to the second takeaway, as we rec recommend that the companies adopt corresponding rules on appropriate procedures in their organizational regulations. This can help the board of directors to cope with arising conflicts of interest more effectively and within a clear set of principles and also to avoid lengthy discussions on appropriate measures. And finally, as a third key takeaway, the revised reorganization law lays more focus on the element of liquidity when trying to prevent insolvency of companies. The board of directors has an explicit duty to not only supervise the liquidity of the company, but also to take measures in case of imminent illiquidity. We therefore recommend ensuring through the organizational setup that the board of directors can fulfill its duties, especially with sufficient reporting regarding the financial situation and also to provide for possible additional measures if needed. Thank you very much, Philip. Thank you for having me, Shil. This was the second out of five episodes of the Lawrence and Louvre podcast series on the Swiss corporate law reform. We hope you enjoyed it and thank you for your interest. If you require any further information, trainings, materials, or if you have any specific question, please get in touch with us. 
You find our contact details and additional information on the website underlawinsloft.com slash ch or connect with us on LinkedIn. Have a great day.